Today's lesson is on how to ruin things, in case you're interested in doing that at some point in the near future. That might seem like a rather negative topic for a Sunday homily, but I can assure you that it will have a positive ending. How to ruin things. I'll give you a few examples. If you have a car and you want to ruin that car, the good news is you have a number of options. You could drain the oil out of the crankcase and then attempt to drive the vehicle. You won't get very far, but that'll certainly ruin the car. You can slash the tires. You can smash the windows. You could put dirt in the gas tank. That'll ruin it for sure. Or you can just let things go, so to speak. In other words, you can neglect to change the oil and get tune-ups and do the other elements of routine maintenance that the owner's manual specifies you should do. It'll take a little longer, of course, to ruin your car that way through neglect, but eventually it'll be happening, guaranteed. If you own a house and you want to ruin it, you also have a number of options. You can allow your teenagers to play contact sports in your living room, allow your three-year-old to paint the walls with finger paint. You can smash the furniture, rip the curtains, break all the dishes and glasses in the kitchen. You can turn on the water in the upstairs bathroom and let it flow over for three, four, five, six hours. Or once again, you can just let things go. You can avoid painting the house, fixing the roof, cleaning the floors, doing all the routine maintenance that's required to keep a home in good shape. If you have a friendship and you want to ruin that, you can also do a number of things. You can call your friend on the phone and tell him off, or do it on Facebook now, right? You can spread false rumors about your friend. You can cause division in his family and break up his marriage. Or you can simply ignore him. Pretend he doesn't exist. Every friendship has to be nourished by personal contact on some level. Without that contact, a friendship can very easily weaken and die with the passage of time. I give these examples today because on this first Sunday of Advent, the focus of our Gospel reading is on the second coming of Jesus Christ. Most of us know this is one of the foundational beliefs of our Catholic faith. As we say in the Creed every Sunday, we believe that Jesus, our Lord and Savior, will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. That belief is expressed in our Eucharistic prayer when we sing or say, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. We believe that the physical world as we know it will eventually come to an end. As the letter to the Hebrews says, we do not have here a lasting city. At some unknown time in the future, Jesus will come again as judge and put a definitive end to human history. But even if we don't live to see that day, we will all experience a second coming of Christ. We'll experience it the moment we die. Because that moment can come at any time, Jesus tells us in today's Gospel, we always need to be ready. We always need to be prepared. 
He's an interesting thought. In today's second reading from Romans 13, it says, It is now the hour for you to wake from sleep, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Our salvation is also nearer now at this moment than it was when I started my homily. Did you realize that? And it will be nearer at the end of my homily than it is right now. Every second that passes in this life is one second closer to the end. Our end. That end, of course, is supposed to be a beginning, a glorious beginning of a new life, an eternal life with Jesus Christ in his kingdom. But getting to that kingdom is not automatic. We need to be clear about that. Jesus makes that crystal clear in this text, which is precisely why I entitled this homily, How to Ruin Things. Just as you can ruin a car and a house and a friendship, so it's also possible to ruin our eternal salvation. And we can ruin our salvation in the same ways that we can ruin those other things I mentioned earlier. For example, I said you can ruin a car by doing certain things to it, by taking out all the oil, by slashing the tires, smashing the windows, etc. But I said you could also ruin a car by simply neglecting it. Neglecting to change the oil and do the normal maintenance on the vehicle. I said you could ruin a house or a close friendship in either of those two ways as well. By actions or by neglect. I said all those things for a reason. I said those things to make a parallel with our spiritual lives. Think about it. How does a person ruin his or her eternal salvation? The obvious answer is, by doing something really bad. We lose our salvation, we lose sanctifying grace after baptism by committing a mortal sin and never repenting of it. But that's only half the story. We can also ruin our salvation through neglect. And I base that assertion on the words of Jesus in this Gospel. Jesus starts off here by comparing people who are not ready for his second coming with the people of Noah's time who were not prepared for the great flood. Now, I would have expected Jesus to say that these unprepared people back in Noah's time were lying and cheating and stealing and killing each other and committing adultery, and this is why they weren't ready. Notice something, my brothers and sisters. That's not what he says. Listen again to his words. In those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. He did not know until the flood came and carried them all away. So it will be also at the coming of the Son of Man. Now I ask you, what's so bad about eating and drinking? You have to do those things to live. What's so bad about marrying? I hope nothing, because if it is, you're all in trouble, most of you. What's so bad about giving in marriage? The answer is nothing. These things were all good. These things are good. That was not the problem. The problem was neglect. What Jesus was saying is that these unprepared men and women were guilty of neglect. They lost their lives simply because they were going about their daily routine, their daily business, and at the same time neglecting to take care of their souls. 
So how do you ruin your salvation? By committing a mortal sin, yes. But also by neglecting your spiritual life, because when you neglect your spiritual life, you can very easily fall into mortal sin. It can happen much more quickly, much more easily. Think now of the things, all the things that most people do not neglect during the season of Advent. They do not neglect shopping. They might wait to the last minute, yeah, but ultimately they don't neglect it, most people. They don't neglect cooking and baking, which is fine with me, I love Christmas cookies, you know. They don't neglect socializing. They don't neglect decorating. Even if they hate to do it, they do it anyway. And they don't neglect eating, and eating, and eating. But a lot of people neglect their souls, do they not? They neglect spending extra time in prayer during this season. When December 8th is a holy day of obligation, they neglect coming to Mass on that day. They might even neglect coming to Sunday Mass if they've got a lot of shopping or baking to do. They also neglect the extra opportunities we have to make a good confession and examination of conscience during this holy season. They make time for everything. They make time for everybody during this holy season of the year, except Jesus Christ, who happens to be the reason for the season. As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, today is New Year's Day in the Church. It's the first day of a new liturgical year. New Year's Day is a good day to make resolutions, is it not? So I propose a joint resolution today. Let's resolve at this Mass not to neglect our spiritual lives during the next four weeks of Advent. And by the grace of God, may that resolution then carry over to the other 48 weeks of the year.